Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Here we go. Man, this is going to be fun. So, Sometimes, every once in a while, I tell you, give you permission to get your phones out. This is another one of those times. If uh, Number one, if you have a Bible and your Bible happens to be on your phone, that's a good thing to do during service. Um, there is this app. If you have a, uh, if never had this or downloaded this, it's called Version. You could go to this app, and it's a Bible app, and it's like you as in me and you, Y-O-U, version, and uh, it has all the different versions of the Bible on there. One of the things I want us to do in this 21 days is I want us to be in sync, similar to what we did through Christmas. I encourage you to go through that Advent devotional. There's one for 21 days as well. It's called Awakening. So if you went to your Bible app and uh, that version app and you search under plans, search Awakening, 21 Days of Fasting and Prayer, um, you'll find that app on there, and I would encourage us, let's go through that together, Awakening, 21 Days, Fasting and Praying, and you say, well, I'm not going to fast, I don't, I don't know if I can do that, I don't understand it, it's okay, go through the app anyway with us, we would, we would love for you to, to do that. Um, and, uh, or go through the devotional with us, um, and maybe you'll understand more by the end about fasting and prayer. But sign up for that. Get the plan started. It's 21 days. We'll go through that together. It will be encouraging uh, to be on the same page as the church as we walk through this. It's cool to see, not only when we're praying together, but when we're reading the same passages together, and we're talking about the same things to see how God works and how God moves. Um, there are going to be great stories. I want you to know this. There will be great Great stories at the end of this. I encourage in this, and even that devotional today and throughout encourages you to take some notes. Write down your prayer request. Journal a little bit. Ask God what he is uh, asking you to pray for, and then write those requests down. Write them down expecting that God's going to answer prayer. We can have all kinds of prayers, but if we don't expect that God is going to do great things, then, then he won't. I mean, that's just part of it. And it's like, well, that's just your thing, Pastor Rob. No, no, that's called faith. And if you pray without faith, God doesn't answer prayer. But it says for those who believe and have faith, God will do great things working in and through us together. So pray believing and expecting. And then what I want you to do during this time, we're going to put up this week. All right, make a note, Katie. Um, we're going we're gonna to put up this week in the back. When you're walking out, there's a new little kind of thing over there. It says, sign me up. Uh, and that is a, a, a little place for you to go to get all kinds of information. One there, you can go this morning and you can grab uh, your 21 days of prayer prayer guide for all of our churches. So we're praying every day. It has something that you can be praying for for those churches. Um, so grab one of those. You know how to be praying. We'll have some out. Also, Miss Katie sent out an email this week uh, telling us that we're going to be gathering our personal prayer requests for our church and we're going to be praying for those as well. We'll get those things to you. But here's where I was going with that. Back there at that little spot next week is going to be a praise box, okay? So not only do we want to take your prayer, prayer requests, we want to you, you to report your praises because it, it's a wonderful thing to pray for people, but how exciting is it to know that God has answered prayer? 
uh, I think sometimes we think, what have we been praying for all these things, but did anything ever happen? Did God answer any prayers? Well, we want to know. So pray for it, write it down, and turn in a praise card. A praise card that says, hey, God answered this prayer so we can praise and celebrate with you together. I'm excited about this time. It's going to be great. We'll also, hopefully, in the next day or so, um, send out an email or put a Facebook post up that gives you a link also to that, um, that uh, version uh, prayer uh, uh, devotional that we're going to be going through together. If you have a Bible, and maybe you've got your Bible app out and you've got your phone out, turn to the book of Psalm. I wanted, to, I wanted to start us off today understanding and reading through just a little bit of what happens in the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 81. We see something incredible take place here that um, is, is pretty much the plight of the Israelites. Over and over again, you see in, in Israel, they go through these things and they go through these seasons uh, and, and it just seems like, will they ever learn? And here's another one we get to read about in Psalm 81. And, and I want you to just kind of not think necessarily about the Israelites as we read this, but think about yourself. Put yourself in here and, and, and just, just imagine you being the benefactor basically in this of what's going on, the good things that God promises. So listen to this in verse 6. Now I will take the load from your shoulders. I will free your hands from their heavy tasks. Whew. If we just stopped right there, wouldn't that be nice? If I could just say that to all of you in here today, Happy New Year. I'm going to take the load from your shoulders. Oh, man. Thanks, Pastor Rob. Well, I can't do that for you. Um, this is, uh, hopefully, this is uh, God speaking here. Um, <laughs> now, I will take the load from your shoulders. I will free your hands from their heavy tasks to me in trouble and I saved you. I answered out of the thundercloud and I tested your faith when there was no water at Meribah. Listen to me, O my people, while I give you some warnings. O Israel, if you would listen to me, you must never have a foreign God. You must never bow down before a false God. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Listen to this one. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. The promises of God. The promises of God. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. But, oh, these buts. Verse 11, but no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be forever, uh, doomed forever. But I would feed you. With the finest wheat, I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. We have these promises, and we talked about this last week. If you want a tomorrow full of God's favor, today we need to walk with the Savior. If you want a tomorrow full of God filling your mouth with good things, if, if, if you want a tomorrow where your uh, load is taken from your shoulders, your hands are free from tasks, 
that you are fed with the finest wheat. It's gluten-free. The finest. If you want to be satisfied with wild honey. And this isn't from a business, it's from a rock. Only God can make that kind of honey. If you want the things of God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, then it comes with walking with God. Obedience. Over and over again as you read about how you obtain the favor of God, is it's all connected to obedience. And you say, I, I, I desire that from God, and I want to experience that, but Pastor Rob, what happens when I don't feel like I am experiencing that? Well, there are two reasons that we see in Psalm 81 why, the, why they wouldn't be experiencing the favor of God or feel like they're experiencing the favor of God. First is, I'll take the load off your shoulders. You cried to me in trouble. I saved you. And listen, I tested your faith where there was no water at Meribah. So sometimes, and I've been in places in my life where I feel like I'm walking with the Lord and I should be in the favor of God, but it just doesn't feel like I'm experiencing the favor of God. Have you ever been there? You're in a trial, you're in a tribulation, and you don't think, ah, give me more. That's just not what comes to mind. Lord, more financial burden. God, give me more troubles in my marriage. Lord, help my children be more rebellious. Oh, those boys. Good girl up here. Love you, Ella. It is not necessarily that we are not in the favor of God, but maybe we're under testing. A time of God testing our faith to see, hey, you say you love me, you say you trust me, you say you're walking with me, let's just test to see if you'll continue walking with me during the hard times. During a tribulation, are you going to actually continue to walk with me? And then there's this other piece that, that it says, open your mouth wide, I will fill it with good things. And then he says, but no, my people wouldn't listen. But what are they not listening to? Well, you back up to verse 9, and it says, you must never have a foreign God. You must never bow down before, uh, before a false God. And he says, I would op you open your mouth, I would fill it with good things, but you won't listen. You don't want me. So verse 12 says, So then I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. So sometimes we say we desire the blessing of God, but we're completely missing the blessing of God because we are not at all walking in obedience to what God has called us to do. And for the nation of Israel, what we find is over and over again, they've been introducing foreign gods into their lives, and they follow God for a period of time. He steps in, he rescues them, he saves them, he bails them out, and then they get a little lacks in their relationship and they seem to be okay with wandering away and experimenting and trying out other gods and this is where we were at in the book of judges 
in Judges chapter 6 last week, we begin to dig into Gideon. And, and, and we looked at Gideon and we said, okay, if, if, if Gideon is in this place um, uh, uh, where, where he is part of the nation of Israel, and, and, and Gideon is, is watching and, and uh, his whole country around him, and he himself is, is participating in things that aren't just all about God. And God's removed his favor from the nation of Israel. And we see that for seven years, God has allowed the Midianites around, the, the people around the Israelites, the Midianites, to basically ravage them, to oppress them, stealing all their food. They find themselves removed from the land that God gave them, living in rocks and caves, in the hills, and they're dying of starvation, and they finally turn their eyes back to God. And they say, God, we need your help. And it's the same thing here that God says to them, the reason why I'm not helping you, the reason why I've stepped away is not a testing of your faith, but the reason why I stepped away in this situation, in this circumstance, Israel, is because you chose to worship a foreign God. You chose to go after the God of the Amorites and choose to worship Baal instead of worshiping me. Therefore, just as we saw in the book of Psalms, he stepped back and he let them to their own ways. So they're wondering, where's the favor of God? Where's the blessing of God? Why isn't God working? It wasn't for them attesting at that point like it was at, the, at, at, the, uh, at Meribah. But this was an actual step back from God and just said, you want to do what you want? Let's see where that gets you. And we're usually either in one of two places in here, or three, hopefully we're just experiencing the blessing of God because we're following after Him. But God can bring testing into our lives. And today I want us to begin thinking through, why is it that we may not be experiencing the blessing of God? Because if I want tomorrow to be full of God's favor, today I have to be walking with the Savior. So am I walking with the Savior? What does that look like? Am I being tested? Or has God left me to my own ways? So we pick up in the story of, Judge, or of Gideon here in the book of Judges, and, and we're picking up in, in verse 17. So basically, what we have is that God says, hey, I've, I've pulled back here, and then they cried out for help, and God says, okay, I'll step in, I'll help you, you've stopped serving me and worshiping me, okay, but I'm going to answer your prayer here, I'm going to send you a deliverer through Gideon, Gideon's just this guy hiding in a wine press and, and, and trying to hide because he's thrushing out wheat so they can hopefully hide it from the Midianites so they have food to eat. God appears to him in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, in the form of an angel, God's son, comes, appears to Gideon and says, hey, Gideon, I'm going to use you. God's going to use you to deliver these people, your people, the Israelites, from the hands of the Midianites. And here's what Gideon says. Verse 17, if you are truly going to help me, Show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away till I come back and bring my offering to you. He, and the angel answered, I will stay here until you return. Verse 19, Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat. Man, I didn't have breakfast because I'm starting my fast. So a young goat sounds delicious right now already uh, with a basket of Mmm, flour, bake some bread. <laughs> oh, man. You know my last meal last night? 
chicken wings. I love wings. I just love them. I went over the Outback, and I said, Kelly's like, I'm going to make spaghetti. I was like, I don't want your spaghetti. No offense. Your spaghetti's usually good, but if I'm not going to eat for a while, I want wings. <laughs> so I ordered my Outback, went and got my wings. And my son Levi's like, I said, I'll be right back, guys. I'm going to go get, my, get some wings. And he's like, you won't be right back. It'll take you a while if you're going to go to the place you normally go to when you're going to go get wings because you're not eating for a while. I think I've developed a habit. Uh, my seven-year-old already knows. Uh, anyway, so food and stuff. And then he does stuff. He brings it back. Okay. Uh, I don't want to talk about it too much. Under the great tree, he brings it back to the angel. So the angel of God said to him, place the meat in the unleavened bread, verse 20, in the unleavened bread on this rock. Pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed God can do a lot of things with rocks. You ever notice this? Out of nothing, God creates like water out of a rock, honey out of a rock. Now fire shoots out of a rock. Basically, this idea is when you say as dumb as a rock, not to God. A rock is a, a, rock is a great, great, greatest thing you can have. He can do anything with a rock. Uh, this is great. Everything comes from a rock. So this fire, flame, comes out of the rock and consumes all that he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Gideon realized, oh, this was the angel of the Lord. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he cries out, oh, sovereign God, I am doomed. That I, I have seen the angel, the, 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 the Lord, face to face. And God replies, it's all right. Don't be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon then builds an altar to the Lord there. He names it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar remains in Ophrah, in the land of the clan of Abizer to this day. So here's, here's, what's, here's what's interesting about this right now that I, I want us to kind of take in. God has chosen Gideon out of all the Israelites to be a, a deliverer. The, the interesting thing is you would think if God chooses Gideon out of all the people, so just think of in, in this room, now you're talking about millions of Israelites, but if just in a room this size that we all needed help, that God chose you. Now, that makes pretty much every one of us, including myself, just so you know, like, really, me? Like, <laughs> why me? Uh, it, it, some of you, I, I, there probably wouldn't be many, and we won't do a show of hands on this one, but maybe you'd think, well, I'm qualified for that. Um, and you, you just slip up your hands and say, yeah, I can do that. Um, but, but that's not how God works. God chooses Gideon, a, probably a pretty unlikely character, in this story, because it wasn't that Gideon was perfect. And here's how we see that this is true, that Gideon's not perfect. Gideon is trying to figure out which God's talking to him? This means Gideon has experience probably with other gods and other relationships that something has taken place. And in our culture, we have a very hard time thinking about other gods. Because we don't terminology, we don't phrase it that way, we don't say it that way, but I want you to know very much so there are many other gods in this world today. This is very much a thing, and even though there's not maybe a, a, an altar set up to them, or there's not a pole set up that someone bows down to an image or an idol and actually physically worships it, but it's no different today, that there are other gods in our life, and those other gods are very clearly speaking to us. 
And sometimes we can't discern the voice of God when he comes into our life and talks to us because we have so many other gods speaking into our lives. And God's trying to get our attention and God's trying to call out to us. God's trying to give us direction and movement and tell us where to go. God's trying to help us understand what he desires from us, but we can't hear him through the noise of all the other gods in our lives. And sometimes when you think you've heard the voice of God, you just have to step back as Gideon did and say, okay, if this was really the voice of God, God, if you really want me to do this, then show me this sign or do this because we can't really discern the voice of God because we have so many gods in our lives. Maybe it's people that we hold in high regard, that someone that we basically worship, that if they say do this, we're going to do it. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's someone else that you've brought into your life that you just think, maybe it's Oprah, maybe it's some self-help guru that you follow, that you look to and you say, well, if they say this, maybe it's a horoscope, maybe you flip the paper open and you say, whatever this says today, this is going to be what happens. Maybe it's music, maybe it's some celebrity somewhere, maybe it's media, maybe it's the YouTube channel somewhere that you go to all the time to get advice about this or that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a constant inundation of media. Maybe it's the news, a news network or a news channel. Uh, maybe it's a certain reporter. I don't know. Maybe the voice of your God is actually a very sinful voice that maybe it's addiction. Maybe you always answer yes to drugs or, or, or alcohol or pornography or an addiction to gambling or something else, and that's the voice that you're constantly following that you've raised up in your life, and that is your God. And you would never say, that's my God, but it's your God. There are many gods. So we can't look at this passage and we wonder, what's wrong with Gideon? It's God standing in front of him. He's got an angel in front of him speaking right to him. And he's like, if this is really you, but Gideon finds out it is God. It really, it really is him. And, and, and if we're confused in our lives and we need to get to the place where we're not sure what our gods are, or are, I should say, what our gods are, Maybe you just need to identify your sinful habits and then you'll identify your false God. Or maybe it's not a sinful habit as much as it is. And, and, and Louis Giglio, uh, a pastor, talks about this. And, and, and years ago he wrote a book on worship and it just stuck with me that he says it this way. He says, if you want to figure out what it is that you worship, follow the trail of your time and your money and your allegiance. And at the end of that trail is an altar, and above that altar is a throne, and whatever is on that throne is what you worship. So if I wanted to identify that, maybe I'd need to get my calendar out, or I just need to think through, and I need to write down, what do I spend my time doing? Maybe I need to pull out my phone and pull up that screen time app and see how many hours I spend watching Netflix or watching Hulu or doing social media, and then I realize, okay, I spend four or five hours a day consumed in this. How much time did I spend with God? Maybe I need to pull up my bank registry, and I need to look through, and I need to say, where did all my money go? What hobby took all of my finances? What thing that I drove the majority of how I spend? 
Oh, it's starting to hurt now, isn't it? It's getting really quiet. That's how it, either you're all sleeping or you're all like, ow, this one hurts. I'm not excited to be here anymore. <laughs> they tricked us. Uh, <laughs> but we have to identify the false gods. We have to identify what it is we worship because if we can't identify what it is that we worship, then we'll never understand what it is that's drawing us away from worshiping the one true God. In, in Jeremiah chapter 8, again the nation of Israel has found themselves needing God to send a prophet to them to tell them that they've gotten off track. And the interesting thing about this is there are, God speaks to seasons that, that often in our lives we will go through a, 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 a period or a small season where we really love the Lord but we got off track and then, then we come back to God and we ask for forgiveness and we try to get things right. And those are seasons. Those things happen sometimes. That's why Christ came. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. He knew we couldn't be perfect. He knew we couldn't uphold the whole law by ourselves. So Jesus, God, uh, through Jesus Christ made a way for us to have forgiveness of sins. But God's speaking to something long before Jesus talking just specific long before Jesus came to earth because Jesus has always existed let me say that um, but long before Jesus came to earth God is speaking to the nation of Israel and he's identifying a period in their lives where they decided that they were going to be so sinful and get so far off track they didn't even seem to care that they weren't loving God and in verse 4 of Jeremiah chapter 8, Jeremiah says to the people, this is what the Lord says. When my people fall down, don't they get up again? Or, sorry, when people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? Then why do these people stay on their self-destructive path? Why do people of Jerusalem refuse to turn back? They cling tightly to lies. And will not turn around. I listen to their conversations and I don't hear a word of truth. Is anyone sorry for doing wrong? Does anyone say what a terrible thing I have done? No, all are running down a path of sin. Oh, that God would never speak that about us. That our hearts would not be so hardened against the things of God that we have been so disappointed with God over the years or so chased other gods that we think they may be the answer and we continue down a path and God is coming after us, but we will not ask for forgiveness. We will not look back, that we will not turn our hearts back. What prayer does is prayer helps us Reopen that communication with God so that he can soften our heart and through his spirit begin to identify in us problems that we have had, sinful patterns that we may have developed in our lives that he can then help us see in turn. So this week as we begin praying, I really want you to think through, hey, what is it that has been brought into my life? As Pastor Mark talked about fasting, I don't know what you're going to fast. Now, I, I don't guarantee, you know, you can't necessarily say, I'm going to fast from sin. Okay, now you could say that. That's a great thing, not just to fast for from 21 days, but for all the time. Um, like if you're going to have a fast from something, oh, good, that 21 days is over. I'm going to binge on sin now. 
Um, you know, it's not quite the same as binging on ice cream or chicken wings. Um, you, you want to remove sin from your life. But here's what I want you to understand. In the midst of this, as you're thinking about things to fast from, I'm telling you, even if there is a sinful pattern, that's something that you lay down to God and you just commit and you'd say, for the next 21 days, I just refuse. Help me, give me the willpower. And not just for 21 days, but hopefully that develops a habit and a pattern in your life that you can see what it feels like to have some freedom from that and God brings that in. But there are other things, and we'll talk about those shortly, that you can fast from. But here's what I want you to see. We never want to get to the place that our hearts are hardened toward God. And, and, and here's what he ends with. The end of verse 7 says this. They do not know the Lord's laws. So they're down this path and doing all these things and turn from God because they don't know his laws. Now, I don't believe that this means that God's just looking for people to memorize the Ten Commandments. I know some good songs. If you're looking for a good Ten Commandment memorization song, we can sing some. We've probably done that in the past here because I'm weird. Um, but, you know, there are songs. But I don't think that's what it's about. I, I think there's mainly one law that he is looking for that guide the rest of the laws, and it's number one. We've just begun. God should be first in your life. Oh, that's good, huh? I'll sing the rest for you later if you'd like. Uh, catch me afterwards. It'll be great. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You shall have no other gods before you. And if we come to that one law, and we saw it in the, in the book of, uh, or, or, uh, my brain's gone, uh, Psalm chapter 81 that we started with. It says, you have other gods. Don't worship other gods. We see it here in, in, in uh, Judges chapter 6, that, that the reason why God stepped in and, and he said, okay, I'm going to send a prophet. You're crying out to me. The problem is that you've worshiped other gods. So this is such a big deal. That's why I'm spending some time on it this morning. It's such a big deal for us to recognize and do some inventory to begin to think through, who are the other gods? What are the other gods in my life? And we begin thinking, what are, who are the other gods in my life? Just keep thinking. I'm going to take a drink. What's next? What's next? If the best is yet to come, the best will only come if we're striving to follow the Lord. Like if, if we desire for God's favor to be on tomorrow, then today we have to be following the Savior. If, if tomorrow you want God's favor, today walk with the Savior. How can I walk with the Savior? It doesn't say, I didn't say walk with the Savior and a bunch of other people and a bunch of other gods. 
If you want what's best, then you have to learn what it is that needs to be pushed down, gotten rid of, ask for forgiveness. How do you move toward that? So it's just interesting to me as I read through this, the first commission that God really gives Gideon was, was not to say, okay, Gideon, your most important mission, now that you believe it's me and I'm talking to you, the most important mission is for you to fight the Midianites, reclaim your lands, to, to vindicate the name of God and his people. Gideon, your first thing is to get the food back and going so people aren't starving. The, no, the first assignment that God gives Gideon is seen in verse 25. So after Gideon builds an altar, Jesus sucks up that offering, fire blows out of a rock, burns it up, Jesus disappears, Gideon builds an altar to the Lord, then the Lord returns back to Gideon and, and he says to him, here's what I want you to do. Take a second bowl from your father's herd, one that is seven years old. There's something about numbers, and we're not going to get into that, but numbers are important to God. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bowl as a burnt offering on the altar using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. This is why this is weird. Gideon just built an altar to the Lord. Gideon just made a sacrifice. Why is the first thing that, and he did that on his own, but the first thing God commands Gideon to do right after Gideon just built an altar that was so strong, it wasn't some flimsy, cheap little altar. He, he used some good mortar on this thing because it says it was still standing to the, to the day that this was written that altar was still standing that Gideon built. So God turns around and says to Gideon, build an altar, sacrifice a bowl. Am I the only one? That seems weird too. I mean, that's strange. I, I, I just did that, God. Did you not see? That was for you. Were you not paying attention? I guess I'll do it again. Maybe he missed it. And God doesn't do things just to do things. He's always got a purpose and a reason. God's always got a plan for why he tells us to do what we do. Have you ever been in the midst of something and praying and asking God for direction and, and trying to figure out what's next and you feel like what came to you was like, a, really? That's what I'm supposed to do next? That's what you want me to do? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Or I just did that. Did you not notice? It's a little different in this one. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord. I think too many of us desire to add God into our lives. That before Gideon tore down any altar, he built an altar to God, and he sacrificed. Was God pleased with that? Well, partially. But God 
is more interested in Gideon getting rid of the other altar and the other God. And there are many of us that would like to just add God to our lives. So we have all these false gods in our lives. We have all these things that monopolize our time, all these voices speaking to us. And then we come to church and we just want to add a relationship with God onto the list of good things that we can do. So if I'm in a tough time and if I'm having a struggle trying to figure out direction, I'm going to go and I'm going to read the horoscope and I'm going to watch a self-help show. I'm going to watch Dr. Oz. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go buy some book from the bookstore or Amazon. I'm going to download something. I'm going to watch some YouTube video. And I'm also going to go to church and I'm going to collectively take all these information from all these gods and then I'm going to make the decision rather than just trusting the one true God. And during this time, as we focus on God, the point of fasting is to get rid of as many distractions as you can get rid of in your life, as many things that are in your life that are biting for your attention, down to even food, to say, I am going to clear anything out that would drive me in any way to be taking my focus and my eyes off of the only one true God. And if I really believe that He is the one true God, then I'm willing to just get rid of all the other voices and all the other things and all the other sins and all the other stuff, and I'm willing to say, God, this time, I am just going to listen and I'm just going to lean in and I'm just going to hear what you have to say because it only matters what you have to say. That's the only thing that matters. So if it opposes what your friend tells you to do, if it opposes what your parents tell you to do, if it opposes what, what some video somewhere or some boss or some financial report says, even if it's opposed to that, God, I don't care what any of those other things are doing or saying. All I care about is what you have for me. All I care about is the voice of God. And Gideon is told... Pull down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord. Here on this hilltop sanctuary. God says, don't, don't make me some little altar down in the little valley there with the wine press. I want to be on the mountain. I want to be the altar that everyone sees. I want you to make such a dedication and such a commitment to me that you don't care who is looking because that's a step of faith. And on this altar where you were showing your family as worshiping another God, you're going to tear that down, and then you're going to use the idol that you worshiped as fuel to burn, to sacrifice to me an altar, a pleasing aroma to God. And if you want to see God move, if you want to see God do something great in your life, let your sinful past be the fuel that lights your future. Light it on fire and say, I'm done with it. And God calls Gideon to tear down an idol, a sin, a worship of another God. And he said, light it on fire and use that as the fuel that propels you into my favor, into my kingdom, into my glory. And if we desire to see God do something great, we have to be willing to put the past and the sin 
behind us. And not so we can turn back to it in 21 days, but so that we can light it on fire to never look at it again. And say, if I believe God is who He says He is, I'll never need that addiction. I'll never need that dependency I had on alcohol. I'll never need that dependency I had on drugs. I'll never have a need for that dependency on pornography. I'll never have need for that dependency on gossip, on lying, on fear, anxiety, doubt. I so much believe that God is a healer and that God is a redeemer and that God is a restorer that I'm willing to light everything on fire that represented anything other than God and turn my eyes to him. So, so, so the, the question is, not only what is it, what do you light on fire? But do you believe? Do you trust? And are you willing to take such a step of faith that says, my altar to God's on a hilltop. I don't care who sees it. And I, in this story of Gideon, I didn't finish reading the whole thing, he actually goes and does what God tells him to do, but he does it at nighttime because he's afraid of anyone watching him. So if, if, if you want to go home, and you want to pray because you're a little bit scared, but you want to take the same step of faith, and, and then the results are still seen because you really did commit, and that you really did give things over to the Lord, that, that's up to you. I understand that. God is a very personal God. He knows your fear. He knows what a step of faith for you looks like. But what I love about this is, no matter what, Gideon was still obedient. Even though he didn't do it in public, it was a very public thing that happened the next day. Where did the altar to Baal go? Where did the, 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 the idol to Baal go? Where did the altar that we used to burn, how, where did that go? And Gideon got himself in some trouble. But I love the fact that God calls us to take public steps. To say, there's a huge measure of obedience to just stand and say, all right, I'm not waiting until later. I know what it is. I don't need to think about it. I'm just going to take a step of faith. And I'm going to lay that down. You already probably know where this is going. The, band, the band's going to come up and play. This is a, I want to read this to you. James chapter 5. It says, if, there are any of you suffering hardships. You should pray. That's pretty simple. If, if you're dealing with something, you should, you should pray. You should take it to the Lord. These are hardships. These are problems. These are part of our 21 days. You have a problem? You have a hardship? Pray. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are any of you happy? I'm happy. I'm happy. You should sing praises. And the thing is, I'm suffering hardships, so I pray. I'm also happy at the same time as I'm suffering hardships. We encounter problems with joy as often as we can. 
So even in the midst of our hardship, we can have songs of joy in our heart that we sing to God, that we praise Him, that we lift our voices to God. So in the midst of prayer is praise. It says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This isn't just about having an elder of the church pray over you. But we're called to pray for one another. There's nothing necessarily magic about an elder. It's for any person. Listen to that. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. It's not about a position. It's about a posture. Are you one that humbles themselves before God? Are you one that desires holiness in your life? Well, the Bible says that your prayers are effective. That God can use you to pray for other people. And if you're one that says, I'm not living righteously, I'm not living holy, then it says, gather those other people around you and have them pray for you and with you and over you and have them lift you up. And when you do that, if we believe what this says, there'll be healing, there'll be freedom from bondage, there'll be chains that are broken, there'll be people's sickness that is healed, diseases that are cured. There'll be financial situations eradicated. There'll be relationships restored. That if we actually believe that God is who He says He is, the power of prayer. Of a righteous person, great power produces wonderful results. Listen to this illustration. Elijah was as human as we are. Doesn't that feel good? You read some of these stories of these people in the Bible and you say, I could never. That guy was superhuman. I, I, I'm not on the same plane as that person is all, a rem, at all. And it's a reminder here. Elijah was as human as we are. Just as we sit in this room today with all of our flaws, with all of our imperfections, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. I'd like to have him pray over this building because if we could get the roof dry, uh, <laughs> maybe we can get it fixed. But imagine that. Imagine that prayer. Imagine that prayer. Just as human as we are in this room, that we have the power to affect the throne room of God, 
to call on the God of the universe to say, hey, this is what we want to see done. This is what needs to be done, not for our glory, but for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. And whatever you want to take place, God, in this kingdom, we want to be on board with that. God, and I'm sick, and I don't want to be healed just so I can be healed. I want to be saved. I want to be healed. I want to be restored so that I can preach your glory, and I can preach your honor. I can sing your praises. Lord, I want to be freed from financial bondage, not just so I can go buy a jet ski or a new car. I want to be freed from financial bondage so that I can be freed to give, so that I can be freed to be generous, so that I can be freed to bless your kingdom. Lord, I want my relationship to be restored because I know in marriage that it's a picture of your love for us. And if this could be fixed, not that there's anything wrong. I love my wife. Sorry, she's just an example. If this could be fixed, if this marriage can be restored, it's a picture of how much you love us and how you restore your relationship with us when we were far from you. And it could bring you glory and honor. Lord, if you would just restore my relationship with my children. Lord, my desire is for them to know you and to serve you. God, if you could restore my relationship between me and my parents, it's a picture of your love and your forgiveness. It's a testimony to the world of who you are. And when we pray and when we ask God for things in the right frame of mind, and we listen and follow and obey his word, the prayers of a righteous man, the prayers of a righteous woman, the prayers of righteous people will change others for eternity.